Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning. It's Spotlight on Maryland. I am your host, Liz Drabeck. This week, we're going to talk about the Fort McHenry National Monument and trying to do that. I'm joined by Chief of Interpretation, Abby Wickline-Bain. Abby, how are you this morning? Doing great. Good morning. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, it is absolutely our pleasure. I thoroughly enjoy the Fort McHenry and all that has to option. And I've seen some of the changes you've done during the pandemic. And we'll get to that in a moment. But first, I want to start with your upcoming event. Abby, what is Defenders Day? So it is actually Maryland's oldest holiday. Um, It commemorates the Battle of Baltimore, um, the 13th and 14th of September in 1814. Um, and the successful defense of Fort McHenry and the writing of the national anthem. So it's not just a Baltimore holiday or Maryland holiday. It's really um, something that um, helped with the shaping of America. What is this year's theme? So this year's theme, um, for people who have been to Defenders Day before, they'll find that this year's going to be a little bit different. Our theme is a tribute to Baltimore, community service, and sacrifice. Uh, we're really taking a step back, and we've all been through a lot over the past year plus, um, and really taking a step back, feeling how we can be here for our community. Um, you know, Fort McHenry is a really important part um, in our community in Baltimore, and um, and invite people onto our grounds for um, some time to, to walk and, and just be contemplative and, and really commemorate the strength that, that people have shown over the past year. Will it be in person this year? Yes, which is very exciting. Um, so, um, yeah, Fort McHenry will begin our day at 9 a.m. Um, with some special events. And then our evening event will reopen the park at 7, and it will be in person. It will be outside. Um, so there's plenty of room to social distance on our grounds and, um, and just something for the whole family. Do people need tickets beforehand, Abby? They do not. You can get tickets during the day if you want to go inside the historic zone, inside the actual fort. Um, And you can get that on a website called recreation.gov, or you can get them here in our shop uh, when you arrive. But for the evening event, it's totally free. And so tell me a little bit more about everything kicks off on Friday, September 17th. So how will the celebrations start? Sure. So um, it's our annual parade. Um, through the streets of Locust Point. Um, we start down at the Under Armour Complex on Hall Street and march up the street uh, to Latrobe Park and then onto the fort. And it's just such a nice community event. There's a couple restaurants along the way where people stop and, and uh, greet us. We have the mascot, Buddy Bison, out there to take pictures with the kids. So we'll have our living <laughs> history team. No kidding. Um, 
and fife and drum and um, and yeah, it's just a way to kick off the uh, the weekend. And so, I'm sorry, tell me again, what time does that start on Friday? So that'll start at six thirty. Okay, and then on Saturday you have two basically separate events, if I can say it that way, the morning and the evening. Sure, yeah. So we have our daytime event. Um, and again, just a, a different, but I think that's kind of, you know, I, I'm trying to look for silver linings over the past year, the pandemic. And it really <laughs> yeah. took us, right, does everybody? Um, so we stood back and, 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 you know, we're taking a little bit different twist. So we're starting our day at 9 a.m. Um, with a naturalization ceremony. Um, and I think this is kind of one of my most that's exciting parts amazing. of the day. Amazing. We're going to have about 15 people who will become new Americans inside the Star Fort uh, with their families, um, and we'll raise the big flag at the end. And I think, what, what a more perfect place to become, uh, you know, a citizen of this great country. That's so touching. And then, so that's going to be early on Saturday. What else happens on Saturday? So um, as soon as that ceremony is over, our, um, we are doing our morning events in partnership with the Military District of Washington, who we've worked with uh, for several years. And um, they have some incredible musical talent. Um, you've, you've probably seen them at some presidential events. Um, so we'll be working um, with the brass quintet, um, the jazz, some of the jazz musicians, the uh, presidential salute. Um, and the the color guard and the drill team. So they'll be, um, we have this kind of packed schedule in the morning, which yeah. is available on our website. <laughs> and tell us the website address again. Sure. It's um, www.nps.gov slash F-O-M-C. So that's some of the events rolling through Saturday. Is there more in the morning or can you uh, talk about the stuff Saturday night? Sure. So let me just, uh, yeah, we, we cap off our morning events um, around noon with another incredible ceremony where about 30 people are going to be, um, uh, through the Baltimore Recruiting Office, become new soldiers. Oh. So, um, and then in the afternoon, we'll have our Living History team take over with some guided ranger-led tours um, of our encampments, um, some cannon firing, which we haven't done in almost in over a year. So oh, wow. my, our team here is very excited. <laughs> Um, and then, um, yeah, so then we'll um, do our normal flag ceremony at 4 o'clock and close the park as usual at 5 uh, after Labor Day that we go back to our 5 o'clock time. And then um, we're going to reset the park and set up an incredible um, luminary display. So, um, and that's something totally new. We've never done that here before. Oh, wow. Um, so the luminaries will, there'll be 1,213 luminaries. Um, so that represents the number of defenders that were here at Fort McHenry um, during the battle. So um, we'll reopen the park at 7 um, so people can come back in. They can walk in. Um, there'll be parking. We'll have people to direct you to parking. Again, this is all totally free in the evening. And um, we'll have um, people to direct you to where this walk starts. So it's actually going to be a self-paced, self-guided walking tour. That's like me when I jog through. And as it gets darker, like the image in my mind, we've tested them out a little bit, but um, I just think it's going to be a really incredible site. We're going to have luminaries lining the seawall trail um, and leading you up to the area of the fort. The fort will be lit on all the ramparts um, that were lit with the rocket's red glare will now be lit with luminaries. Um, and um, there'll be living history folks along the way that you'll encounter. 
So, Abby, you mentioned where the path starts. Where does it start within the fort? Sure. So um, if you've been to the fort, um, you've noticed the big statue of Orpheus. He's hard to miss. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about that, but yes, you're right. (laughs) Um, So Orpheus is the uh, god of poetry and music um, dedicated to the defenders um, and to Francis Kaki. So he's right near our parking lot. So that's where our walk will start. And um, we'll have folks to direct you to the right spots. Um, and um, you'll follow the luminary lit path, and um, again, you can go as fast as you want. Um, you can bring a group of people. You can bring your family. That's uh, plenty of room to, to spread out here in the park. You mentioned it's the first time you're doing luminaries. What was the genesis of that idea? So, um, yeah, we have a couple of rangers who have been to different parks to work. Um, that's one of the benefits of being in the park service. You get to move around a little bit. Um, and at Antietam, you may have uh, seen it or seen it in the news. Um, they do this um, event um, to commemorate um, just the tens of thousands of soldiers um, who died there in the battle. So we thought that this would be... Um, something for us to try to see, you know, how do we light up the fort? How do we really make this a special place, um, even more special for for the people in our community and in Baltimore? What was the event like last year? What happened with it, Abby? So we were all virtual, as was the rest of the world. Um, Yeah, so we, um, today is actually the anniversary of the, um, sorry, August 24th is the anniversary of the Battle of Baltimore, or the Battle of Bladensburg, I apologize, which led up to the burning of Washington. So we commemorated that lead up to the Battle of Baltimore, um, but all online. So uh, we'll be repurposing some of those videos that we did um, leading up to the 18th. How did things change at Fort McHenry last March when we real when you realized you know the pandemic was happening and things were closing? So you know it was a really um, tense time for us, just as for everyone, especially for our frontline staff, because um, we just didn't know what the answers were. Um, so we closed the whole park um, for about two months um, and reopened uh, the grounds. Um, just as soon as we felt it was safe, because, you know, we, we still needed to have folks out and about um, interacting with the public. So as soon as we felt it was safe to have people out, uh, we did. To have that green space, to have that jogging path, um, somewhere to, to just come and sit in the fresh air. Um, so we've gradually reopened little by little. And um, the last thing to reopen was our um, exhibit center in the visitor center and the movie, which if anybody has seen our orientation film, know that that's a, kind of a crowd favorite. What have things been like at the park lately? Busy. That's great. Yes, yes. So, um, you know, over the summer, it, it's obvious that people are really dying to get out and uh, to travel a little bit. Um, we've even seen some fans coming in to, to Orioles games with uh, Braves hats and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's uh, it's really picked up. Um, and we'll see what happens when school starts again. Um, we usually have a rush of field trips. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that happens again. And what do you expect going forward? I feel like a lot of us are in sort of a hybrid model. Can you do that with a national park? It's really hard. (laughs) Um, So one of the things um, that we're doing now is more kind of talking to groups um, and families one-on-one rather than gathering big groups together like we used to. Um, So that's a change we've made. Um, So people can still have the same experience, but it's more one-on-one. We've developed uh, virtual tours. Um, The National Park Service has developed an app that you can find in almost any park. 
Um, so if you download that app, you can actually have our rangers of recorded tours that you can go on um, when you're inside the fort and on the ground. So we do have that if you're, um, you know, really just want that extra, um, extra information. Tell me some things I might not know about the Fort McHenry and that I'm embarrassed that I don't. You just mentioned field trips. What other kind of events or things do you host? So, um, yeah, so in the spring, we actually do a Civil War weekend, um, complete with uh, Civil War music, because um, during the Civil War, uh, Fort McHenry was actually a prison for Confederate sympathizers um, here in Baltimore. A lot of people don't know that. Um, and then on Veterans Day, we commemorate World War One. Um, so the fort's busiest time was actually during World War One. It was in a uh, hundred more buildings were here on site than are here now. Um, and it was a hospital, General Hospital Number 2, treating um, soldiers coming back from the European front. Um, we did some really in- innovative work in occupational therapy, and um, it's just, it's like, it's all erased now from the landscape. But that was actually the time there were the most people here at Fort McHenry. That's fascinating. When, and I'm embarrassed that I don't know this, when did it become a park? 1925, it was actually um, designated um, a national uh, monument. Um, but then after that, it was taken over again by the War Department during World War II as a Coast Guard training se- session or center. And then after that um, is when Baltimore really kind of um, uh, took notice of this as a space for um, for recreation. And um, um, so it was really after uh, World War II that it became a real integral part of the community. This is Spotlight on Maryland. I am Liz Drabeck. I am joined by Chief of Interpretation, Abby Wickline-Bain from Fort McHenry National Monument and Historic Shrine. Abby, how did you get involved with Fort McHenry? So I am a Baltimore girl, um, born and raised here, and um, you know, came to Fort McHenry like other people on field trips. But I was always just really fascinated by the history of Baltimore um, and loved the thought of being in the National Park Service. Just something that, um, you know, the ranger is so iconic. Um, uh, but it took me a long time to actually get into service. Um, but I worked at different museums in Baltimore. Um, and my favorite one was the Flag House, um, which is over on uh, the aquarium side of the Inner Harbor um, in Jonestown. And um, that's where the actual Star-Spangled Banner flag that flew over Fort McHenry, uh, the Francis Scott Keysaw, was sewed no uh, by a woman named Yeah, by a woman named Mary Pickersgill um, and her household of women. So um, I really loved my time there, and it really got me integrated into the uh, War of 1812 story, um, which is not something we learn about in school. Um, so when the opportunity came up here at Fort McHenry and there was an opening, I thought, oh, this can't be, you know, this can't be true. Um, so to be able to have your dream job and, and stay close to home, I think, uh, um, is pretty special. If you don't mind overstating the obvious, because you are so unbelievably taken by the, the history of it all, can you mind <laughs> going over, like, how the fort became the fort, if that's not too tedious? Um, no, so um, there was a small earthenworks fort here during the Revolutionary War, um, and um, you know, 30 years later, here we are looking at uh, Great Britain um, coming down the Chesapeake again, and um, th- they realized that this was an integral place to guard Baltimore, um, and so Fort McHenry was built. Um, if you were here in 1812, it would look a little different than it does today. Um, there was another story added to the barracks uh, after, um, you know, 
during the Civil War period. Um, and you can see that in some of our exhibits here. Um, but you can see how um, you know, the bombardment of the fort, they really needed to have the fort fall before they could get up the Patapsco and into the Inner Harbor. Um, they were aiming at Fells Point. There was a huge shipbuilding uh, business there. Um, but it really is a strategic place to, to, uh, to defend Baltimore. Can you tell me more about the flag house? I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the flag house is on Albemarle Street, and um, it was there during the summer of 1813 that Mary Pickersgill, um, and she was a, a widowed businesswoman um, here in Baltimore working with her mother and her daughter, um, and her African-American indentured servant, his name was Grace Wisher, um, which we found out a lot more about in the past couple years. Um, and they uh, not only turned out this 30 by 42 foot garrison flag, um, but a 17 by 25 foot um, storm flag um, made of wool bunting. And if you can imagine being covered in wool bunting in the summer in Baltimore. No, thank you. I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and they did both in six weeks. Um, they were actually picked up um, in, in the summer of 1813 because the garrison commander here, uh, Major Armistead, really wanted uh, a flag so big that the British would have no trouble seeing it. Because um, even in the summer of 1813, they knew that eventually, when the British were finished with Napoleon um, over in Europe, that uh, we were going to be a target, uh, just because of the richness of the Chesapeake Bay area, um, the shipbuilding, um, and Baltimore as a target. Well, and also Baltimore was a target because it wasn't long after the fall of D.C., correct? Correct, yep. So um, August 24th, um, you know, they, uh, the British stormed through Bladensburg. Sometimes they call it the Bladensburg races because um, our militia, which really wasn't well-trained, um, you know, they were, they were standing up for their country, but um, they, uh, they, they didn't have the leadership and weren't well-trained. So the British just walked right into D.C. Um, and burned some buildings um, in the next couple of days, or in the, um, right after that, and that's the 24th, 25th of uh, uh, August. So we knew that what was going to happen um, if they came to Baltimore and if the fort fell, with everybody had that fresh in their mind. I can't believe it was then, after the fact, repurposed as a prison and a hospital. Like, it's so utilitarian, and I had no idea. <laughs> right, right, yeah, when you think about it, um, you know, the fort scene, seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of history other than just being um, here for the defense. Um, the people that have passed through the doors, um, presidents, uh, Olympians, um, you know, it's really, Fort McHenry's always been, um, you know, an important part of Baltimore. On a daily basis, what can people come to the fort and see? Sure, we're open seven days a week. Um, and if you want to walk around the grounds, uh, we have a mile seawall trail loop. Um, that's a lovely walk. It's totally free. There's free parking here. Um, and our visitor center and the movie are free, um, and all important restrooms, of course, especially if you're traveling with kids. Um, and, um, if you want to go into the historic fort, um, and view the exhibits in there, um, and talk with rangers, um, in the fort, there's a $15 charge for folks, um, 16 and up. And, um, there we have exhibits that, that do that timeline for you, tell you all the different, um, um, ages of the fort and what happened, what it looked like. Um, we really focus on the War of 1812. But we want to make sure that people understand um, all the history that's happened here. 
Um, but again, if you just want to come and bring a picnic, um, just be here on the grounds. Um, that's uh, that's totally free. Are you open to animals? Um, outside, yes. we love we love to have dogs, especially the rangers will stop and pet them if you let them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, not in the buildings, of course, not in the historic <laughs> zone, but yes, definitely on the ground. What does it take to become a ranger? So um, we have a lot of young people who come through as seasonal rangers. Um, and again, when you're young and, and uh, are ready to see the country, um, most of them have a college degree. Um and uh, we'll come and work for six months at a different park, and then some will go to a different park the next summer, uh, maybe go out west. Um, but that's really that and volunteering, um, internships, if you're in high school um, or college. But volunteering is also another great way just to kind of get in, you know, to, to build that network of friends. Um, you can always apply uh positions. Um, USA Jobs is where all the federal jobs are found. Um, but uh, it starts with kind of that, um, you know, that, that passion, I guess. Um, and it's not just um, history parks. We have biologists, we have archaeologists, um, all different kinds of scientists. So there's, there really is something for everybody um, in the National Park Service. And so if you'd rather not uh, become as official as a ranger, are there other ways to volunteer or contribute? Definitely. Um, we have a thriving volunteer program that we're, uh, that we're welcoming back in the past couple months. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure everybody was as safe as possible. Um, we have folks that lead tours. We have folks that um, help with ground maintenance. Um, folks that are in our living history program who actually dress in uh, period clothing and um, fire cannons or cook over an open fire. Um, so, yeah, again, there's something for everybody in the volunteer program, and um, that information can all be found on the web, um, the website called volunteer.gov, um, or by calling the park. And what about if you want to donate? Um, so we do have a donation box on site, um, and we do have a donation account where all that um, uh, the funds go to um, education and preservation projects. Um, and, again, you can just call the park and um, there are a lot of citizens who are, um, you know, feel as passionate about the parks and preservation. So um, we're eternally grateful for that. What does an intern do on a typical day? So we have a couple of different interns with us right now. Um, one is um, learning visitor services. So they deal with the public. They're learning tours um, and helping. Uh, one of the things that um, park rangers uh, in, that work in visitor services do is also resource protection. So we make sure nobody's climbing on cannons, um, nobody's, um, you know, littering, putting their dog off leash, that kind of thing. Um, we also have interns that are doing research. Um, we have an intern this summer working on African-American history in the War of 1812. Um, this summer we also had a diversity and inclusion intern who's really helping us look at how we diversify our workforce. Um, so if you're interested in an internship, um, we really want to work with students to get them what they need, whether it's for credit, college credit, or whether it's just for their own edification. Um, we can usually craft something to meet their needs. Now I'm super curious, how many people work at Fort McHenry? So we have a staff um, of about 30, um, and we also manage Hampton National Historic Site um, in Towson, which is a plantation site. Um, right outside the Beltway. And so we go back and forth. So it might sound like a lot of people at first, but for two major parks 
um, as well as the Star Spangled Banner National Historic Trail, um, which goes through uh, traces the route of the troops in uh, the War of 1812. Um, but we are now, um, you know, short up with our seasonal workforce. So I have about four seasonal rangers who will work with us through October, um, and then they um, go on to other pursuits. I had no idea you would have such a range of uh, a workforce. Your title is Chief of Interpretation. What does that mean? So that's kind of a, it's a really park servicey term. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So um, in the interpretation team, which uh, which I head up, um, we strive to um, literally interpret or make those connections between our sites. Um, the artifacts and the stories and visitors. Um, so we try to really be that, that connecting, that interpreter um, to help people um, um, you know, get to know these places. I saw something on your website, nps.gov slash FOMC. What is or who are the Friends of Fort McHenry? So we have a great friends group. Um, they've been around for, for years and years. And um, they've really helped fundraise and support, especially our programming. Um, we have a youth employment program in the summer uh, where we hire between 12 and 15 young people um, from the local area to do living history. Um, so they're out there when um, visitors come, really bringing the fort to life. Um, they also help with our, our program on the trail. We have a trail stewards program. So really helping us bring um, the, the park to People, especially to young people. How can we find Fort McHenry on social media? And how weird is that, that a national park has to come to life <laughs> on Facebook? <laughs> it's the truth. Well, especially over the past year, you know, social media was really our visitor center. Um, so we have a great presence on Facebook um, and Instagram. Um, Twitter is something that we're working on. I guess that's kind of our last being antiquated. Some parks are better than others. <laughs> <laughs> but you have an app. <laughs> we, do, we do. We have a great NPS app. Um, it's free and you can download it from, you know, Apple or Google Play. And um, you'll find information about almost every single park in the park service. What you can do there, what you can see, if there's, um, you know, special notices about mask wearing, um, you can find all of that on, on the app as well. So I do recommend, if you're interested in national parks of any kind, downloading that. As we wind down time-wise, Abby, can you remind for uh, folks what happens September 17th and 18th? Sure. So at Fort, Fort McHenry, um, on September 17th and 18th, we're commemorating Defenders Day. Um, and this year, our theme is a tribute to Baltimore, community, service, and sacrifice. So we'll start out our morning um, with a naturalization ceremony um, in the fort, um, have great musicals with uh, groups from our partners with the Military District of Washington in the morning. Um, the afternoon, there's guided tours of our living history encampments and cannon firing. Um, and then at 7 p.m., we'll reopen the park. We close at 5, reopen the park at 7 um, for a, a new special event um, where we will light up the park with luminaries. Um, and people can come and walk um, for free uh, with families, with groups, um, plenty of room to socially distance. Um, and it'll be a commemorative walk um, along the seawall trail of the fort, which will be lit up and just 
incredibly gorgeous luminaries. That sounds amazing. I've been joined by Ranger Abby, Abby Wickline-Bain, Chief of Interpretation at Fort McHenry National Monument and Historic Shrine. Abby, thank you so much for joining Spotlight on Maryland. We appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. This has been an Odyssey production. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.